punctuates it, and he creates his own offensive chance with that motor. Krejci to Coyle, and the Leafs are moved again! What's happening? Welcome to the Nesson Bruins podcast. I am Nesson.com's Logan Mullen, joined, as always, by Nesson.com's Lauren Campbell and Mike Cole. Guys, what's happening? Happy New Year. Hey, Happy- how's it going? Good. It's going well. Happy, Happy New Year. New year. Sure. Uh, this is our year, I think. I think we're all big on 2022. New year, new us, right? Um, happy that everybody's happy. <laughs> if you want to talk about turning the page, the Boston Bruins, and this is a professional segue right here, yep. the Boston Bruins uh, seem to have turned some sort of page. The I don't know if it's fair to say the time away was good for them. The NHL was shut down, basically. I mean, we haven't met in two weeks and we've missed a grand total of two Bruins games <laughs> since then because I think the grand total was 12 guys ended up in COVID protocols uh, and the NHL basically put a pause on things. They're back now. The Bruins had a handful of games postponed. Uh, so since we last talked, they've, yes. No, go ahead. Okay, since we've last talked, the Bruins have beaten the Buffalo Sabres in overtime and the Detroit Red Wings in regulation. Um, Go ahead. If I can interview. Yep, have at it. So far, so good for the NHL, relatively speaking. I'm not sure if I agree with that, (laughs) but... How many games have been postponed since the quote-unquote restart? Uh, There are two yesterday. I guess it's, yeah, Tuesday. maybe it's more than that. Isn't there, an, I think, eight total? Yeah, the Bruins. A lot of Canadian games. Right, yeah, a lot so of Canadian games. The Bruins already had the, two push. The Canada thing is going to linger. That's, like, impossible. I don't know how you figure that out. Um, but I thought it was going to be, like, they restarted. It's just a complete dumpster fire again. Because, like I said two weeks ago, like, what is going to change in two weeks? I don't know. Maybe if the entire league gets COVID, like yeah. <laughs> they're through the other side. I don't, it seems like it's gone better than I expected so far. So I will say that. I guess at this point, anything short it's of relative. another pause yeah. or shutdown probably is considered a victory in the eyes of the NHL. Right? And we're starting to move some games around too. Starting we to are. fill in the schedule. No, it's going to be a weird day. Is the day that they just kick in the doors and they're like, "Here's the entire rescheduling of the three weeks in February that were earmarked for the Olympics." I, I mean. That there's been no indication that that day's coming anytime soon, but we're recording this on Tuesday, January 4th. Yeah. I would think that they have to have some sort of direction by the middle of the month. Uh, I mean, it takes time. They're probably still yeah. crossing some T's and dotting some I's. Being the NHL schedule maker doesn't sound like a particularly fun job in the first place. Uh, I think it would be interesting work, if not uh, entertaining, but... I can't imagine those folks. I think it's only like three people are having a good time right now. Um, But that's basically, I don't know, logistical nonsense. Uh, So Bruins earned wins over the weekend. They were down 3-1 to the Sabres, who I think we would agree suck, even after a decent start for Buffalo. The resurgent Sabres. Um, The the resurgent Sabres. Kyle Lockposo has been very good. For Anders much Bjork. of this season, Anders Bjork uh, still playing Love. a bottom six role <laughs> in Buffalo. Love yeah. Kyle Ocposo. Uh <sighs> See, so <laughs> we're, we're going all sorts of teams. Is that right? Yeah, I like Ocposo. I feel like Kyle Ocposo is what people thought Nick Ritchie was going to be. Yeah, and I will like every chance the Bruins have even like tangible, 
tangentially had a chance of getting him. I wanted them to do it just because <laughs> I I just like his game. But like the you just start looking at the money and it's like Ew. he makes a lot of money. His cap and, hits six million. Yeah, so. and it's tough too because sometimes I watch him and it's like I can't tell if you're bad or if you just play for the Sabers. He's cer- well, and he like certainly is not as good as he was in New York. Yeah, right? yeah, five or six years ago. Yeah, it's it's been a while. He's he's such a Sabers player though. He's like not a star, but he's good enough to where he makes significant money. But that's like, well, you're probably not gonna win too much with him. Shows up every like few shifts. Oh, Mark Pose is yeah, out he there. Goes like, there he is. Pace somebody yeah. to the boards. Um, so that's been your Kyle Poso minute. Uh, Bruins down three one to Buffalo. They enter come earn a comeback victory thanks to uh, Taylor Hall and Nick Foligno. And then Charlie Coyle, three names we haven't heard all too often in the goal-scoring metric. Uh, and then after a relatively even 40 minutes against the Red Wings, they end up just blowing the doors off of them the last 20 minutes and beating the Red Wings 5-1 to officially take hold of fourth place in the Atlantic Division where they sit now as they get ready for this week, uh, which has basically four games. I mean, they're now on a games-every-other-night type of pace. But... Where it matters for us is the Bruins basically beat two teams they really should have beaten, uh, which good. Yeah, you got to play your schedule, all that stuff. At the same time, it's kind of tough, maybe, to assess just how good the Bruins are during this two-game stretch because, well, they were teams that they were supposed to beat. So, Lauren, how much do you take away, dismiss, what have you, from the fact that these wins did come against teams that theoretically are not that good? I mean, I'm not jumping up and down saying the Bruins are, are back, but I'm certainly not pessimistic about them. Um, their power play was abysmal against the Sabres, and the Sabres penalty kill was ranked like 20th going into that game, so they really should have blown that game open. They had four chances. I think they went 0 for 4, and they just could not figure it out. Um, Nick Foligno, it was nice to see him kind of show up, but Cassidy said after the game that he plays more of like a vocal presence especially throughout that game. So that was kind of nice to hear because throughout the season, I'm like, where is he? Like, where are these, where are the secondary scoring that he was promised when they signed him? Um, and the Red Wings, I mean, like you said, these are teams they should have, they should beat handily. And Sabres they had some issues with the Red Wings. They did not, which was nice to see. Um, but I, what I really like is these lines. They're working. Craig Smith on the first line. I like that. Poshnok and Hall have really good chemistry already. And the speed is really nice there. So all things considered, I don't know, I'll give him like a C plus. Michael, what am I grading him? <laughs> you can if you want. Actually, before we go to that, was that an indirect jab at me? Because right after that Sabres game, I texted the two of you and said, I'm all the way back in on the Bruins. No, it, it, it was not. It's not a, a direct a Stanley Cup back on. But <laughs> um, no, I'm just, I'm still... Chilling, some, <laughs> some trepidation. Yeah. Main character syndrome. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> you know me. Uh, I don't know. What's the two wins? Good job against yeah. two not great teams. Um, but you know the Detroit win, sneaky important, I guess, if you want to start yeah. looking at playoff positioning and stuff like that. Um, I they no surprises about like a slow start against Buffalo. It's like the return from a road trip on steroids, basically, uh, to come back and win that game, impressive. Um, there, I think they're a team right now that may lack confidence, uh, generally speaking, and I think you'll take wins wherever you can get them to try to start 
building some confidence and some momentum and starting to to make you feel like the same team you have been in years past. Whether or not they're they're that is very much up for debate, and I would lean toward no. But if they can start getting on a little bit of a roll here, maybe they start believing that they are on par with some of those past teams, and and you get a little bit of a little bit of juice going. Also, like I, I you know, stacking wins is impressive and important right now and it's also putting them in a position they haven't been in all season because even before the covid stuff the schedule was so screwy that they could not get any sort of momentum going so um it's only as good as your next game but uh, i thought you know, some some relatively balanced scoring some solid defense that still leaves a little bit to be desired but you can start to see it. Like it's starting to kind of, if you squint hard enough, it's, it's looking more and more like the Bruins the past couple of years. Yeah. The, so the Buffalo win was, I guess, good in the sense that they didn't end up completely curling up and dying when they were down to, I just all the time. I'm sorry. Are they good enough to, to like criticize wins? No. Or like pick apart wins. So I guess I'm redoing my, my opinion is like that they're still not there. Like, so any wins are good win right now. Sorry. Yeah. Like I've seen people do the, the tomato can thing about this. And it's like, well, the tomato can thing is when the Patriots go 16 and zero in the regular season. Um, did you break something? No comment. <laughs> um, the Detroit win I thought was a sneaky good one. Uh, I'm not a big back to back in the division on the road. Yeah, and I think this. I mean, I'll just say it. I think the Red Wings are a nice team. A like, testy affair the, too. The, it was a testy affair. I don't think the Red Wings are that far off uh, from being a playoff team. I mean, the Bruins did have to face Nedeljkovic, who's their number one goalie, um, and. I don't know. I mean, there's they've got a crap load of young talent between Cider and Raymond. There's, you know, the the Red Wings aren't quite there yet, but that's still a good win. I think the thing that stood out to me most about the win over Detroit was it was emphatic. Like I'm not a firm believer in statement victories, but considering that win was for the Bruins to technically jump over uh, the Red Wings in the standings, they already had the points percentage, but like. I don't know. It was kind of like a, I'm going to shove my little brother to the ground type of win where it's like, we're not just going to win. We're going to win five, one, we're going to kick the crap out of you in the third period. Uh, so I would say that is probably more important for the Bruins than just like sneaking one out against Detroit. I mean, back to back matinees, the second one on the road, that's not too bad of a deal. Um, so now the Bruins play the New Jersey devils this week. The devils have basically nobody because Dougie Hamilton broke his jaw, um, and then Nico Heischer's out. Uh, Yegor Serengovich is out. Uh, there's a ton of guys. They're basically going to be playing the – is it the Albany Devils still? Or the Binghamton Devils? I forget. Binghamton. It's Binghamton, right? Um, so they're basically going to get the Devils minor league team Tuesday. Um, but we're getting to the point – I mean, there's there are a few sort of newsier items, but we'll start with the fact that Jake DeBrusque, uh, is in the COVID protocol now, as is Carson Kuhlman. It, it was a very interesting few moments Tuesday morning when Jake DeBrusque wasn't on the ice for morning skate, but nobody really knew what the deal was. I was like, oh, Jake DeBrusque finally get traded. He did not. Worse, he got COVID. Um, and now Oscar Steen, who had looked pretty good against the Red Wings, is going to end up getting an opportunity on the third line. I think that there's actually some pretty big uh, – implications here for Jake DeBrusque but I guess my question to you Lauren would be 
Oscar Steen getting a lot of attention right now. He's getting the promotion. This seems like the type of thing where the Bruins really want to see what they have with him. Yeah, it certainly seems that way. And Oscar Steen seems very confident in his abilities and himself as a whole. So I think that it's it's good because after a COVID outbreak, that you don't know how the players are going to react, whether they're asymptomatic or not. Now you have Jake DeBrusque, who requested a trade about a month ago and if Oscar Steen can kind of provide stability maybe now you keep DeBrusque out of the lineup to avoid potential injury um, or anything else that could possibly happen and he can maybe get traded I have an important addendum first okay Utica Comets say that again Utica Comets oh the Utica Comets Uh, yeah. well because they were Vancouver for a while and then it made no sense to have Vancouver's affiliate in Central New York. Binghamton's last game was last. Uh, last season was last year. So. When were they in Albany? I remember Albany was like when, when we I was were growing up. There was like the River Rats and stuff. And yeah, then the, I guess they ended up being the Devils. They were the Lowell Devils too. Lowell right? Devils, yeah. after the Lowell Lock Monsters. Yes, yeah. yeah. so this is. I mean, we can have a. Our we, AHL we can definitely podcast. do AHL for yeah. a while. Well, apparently not modern day <laughs> AHL. <laughs> yeah, no. Also, uh, where the hell is Matt on that one? Our producer. Yeah, Maybe um, Matt's got the ability. Drop to a line every once in a while. Uh, so, what is the question, Steen? Yeah, <laughs> I you don't have any particularly strong Oscar Steen takes. Do you? No, I I agree with what Lauren said. It's especially if it's a means to an end for Jake DeBrusque, which is feels like has been going on for two years now, even though it's been. Probably two months. Yeah, I, I think it month was month and a half. One month wasn't it at the beginning of December? Time doesn't count. Time is a flat circle. During, That's true. During, especially during the holiday season. <laughs> I'm not sure if I believe time's linear anymore. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I think that Oscar Steen playing well has very big implications for Jake DeBrusque because the Bruins haven't been in a position yet where they've been able to just healthy scratch Jake DeBrusque. They have needed him to play. I think if you start to get some production from Oscar Steen. He looks good. He's driving play in a middle six role. Then all of a sudden you can look at it and say, well, why are we going to take Oscar Steen out of the lineup so that we can play Jake DeBrusque? Let's just scratch Jake DeBrusque. Now the caveat there is the Bruins actually have to be intent on trading him. I mean, you can't close the door. Jake DeBrusque is going to be an RFA this offseason, so they could take kind of the Kevin Hayes approach with him where they have him play out the rest of the season. They know that he doesn't want to be there, and so they trade him, trade his rights, his RFA rights, like Winnipeg did with Kevin Hayes a few years ago. Um, I don't know. This could kind of be the start of what uh, could be Oscar Steen becoming a full-time NHL player. People who watch the AHL closer than we do sure seem to believe he doesn't have a whole lot else left to give in Kills Providence. the Utica comments. Kills the what? The Utica comments. Yeah. Just, <laughs> That's true. He's, he's going to have he's, he's going to have a hat trick. Comment killer. Yeah. It's going to be like, "Oh yeah, I played against you at the dunk the other day." The Utica assassin. Yeah. <laughs> um so I guess this is kind of a pivot back, but um you know, you were just bring up Mike the are the Bruins good enough to nitpick their wins uh, so we're gonna I guess invoke our good friend Sammy P who spoke to some bookmakers did he speak to bookmakers for this piece I probably should have yeah. looked at that at least one yeah uh, and they seem bullish on the Bruins possibility of getting in the playoffs uh, you know the Bruins have the roster where there's really no excuse for them not to um, but in terms of teams that are sort of on the outside looking in the Bruins are minus 400 uh to get in if you look at some of the others like the red wings are plus 750 the devils are a mile out uh the islanders are plus 350 but the point being the bruins are minus money and sportsbooks seem to believe that 
they will end up in the playoffs one way or the other. I guess as we try and take the temperature of this team about 30 games into their season, which is hard to believe on January 4th, you know, I don't know if you're plunking down a hundred dollars, Lauren, are you going to put it on the Bruins at minus money? No, <laughs> I'm not. I don't think they're a shoe in for the playoffs. Uh, I don't know what that says about my confidence level in them right now, but I don't know. I'm, I'm not a betting person at all. So <laughs> I'm probably the wrong person to ask, but in my expert opinion, no, I'm not going to put money on them to, to make the playoffs on January 4th. Mike, is the kids' college fund going to the Bruins to make the playoffs? No, I think this is more, not to get too granular and too specific, I think this has more to do with the, the betting markets than anything else. And actually, we just had this conversation on our football betting podcast where like, just because you see a number like that is not necessarily a reflection of bookmakers believing the Bruins are going to make the playoffs, more so... They're trying to get out in front or leverage themselves against the possibility of the Bruins making the playoffs. And the Bruins are a popular team. They have five games in hand on a lot of the Yeah, and so like they're a veteran team still. They have star power. They have the, the, you know, the potential of Tuka Rask coming back. There are a lot of reasons for the betting public to get excited about the Bruins. And if DraftKings or FanDuel or Caesars or the Westgate or name your sports book laid a bad number on the Bruins. Betters would jump all over it. And these sports books would be on the line for a buttload of money um, for a team that was expected to make the playoffs by a large group to begin with. So I don't read too much into it. I think it's more risk management by sports books than it is anything about the Bruins. Well, Plus, I- and like to your point, they're five games in hand on Detroit. Yeah. Well, and I look at it too and think, there's really nobody in the Eastern Conference right now that should scare the Bruins out of a playoff spot. Like, I'm looking now at the standings. After the Bruins, it's Detroit. Bruins are better than Detroit. Philly, talent-wise, Philly might be up there, but that team's been so broken for a couple of years. Yeah. Columbus seems like a team that's probably going to fade. New Jersey, half of their roster is gone right now. The Islanders are probably the closest yeah. one, and they also have only played 28 games like the Bruins, but still, they've got 26 points to the Bruins, 34. So, they, I mean, New York's been an objectively bad team this year. A lot can change um, between now and, and the spring, but, like, the other thing, too, is you look at it, <clears throat> the top three teams in the Metro all have at least 47 points. The top three teams in the Atlantic all have at least 44 points. Pittsburgh has 41. And so, like, those are the clear top seven. And after that, it drops off pretty significant. Granted, the Bruins do have three games in hand on Pittsburgh. But it's, like, 34, 33, 32. And those are all point percentages right around 500. Like, the playoff picture, I know this is kind of – dumb to say on january 4th but it, it is it's in focus it is in focus yeah. like it's not out of the realm of possibility for a team especially like the islanders get red hot right and all it takes is one team going the other way for them to kind of jump up and steal a spot but you're looking at seven teams right now that are pretty probably feel pretty good about their standing within the eastern conference and so you've got five six teams playing for that last wild card you know in a group that the bruins at full, relatively full strength and full capability are clearly the best team, I think. Yeah. I, it helps that Montreal flamed out, right? Because, and not that they were ever good this season, but it's clear that their trip to the cup final last year is an aberration. I mean, they have a minus 50 goal differential. That team is 
just in complete disrepair. And so, yeah, you look at teams eight through 16, the yeah. Bruins being eight, and I, I see hand and they're better. Yeah, I, I see two teams that could maybe put something something together. It's the Islanders and the Flyers. Um, and, he, and even it. still, it's probably a long shot. And, and maybe the Islanders thing is clouded by the fact that they historically have played the Bruins very well um, and that that team has way too many veteran players and talent, I guess, and holdovers from two trips to the conference final the last few years to say that they're completely out of it when they haven't even played half their schedule so far. Um, but still, I, I don't know. The Bruins seem to be in a very – Maybe not comfortable position, but they're in a spot where they have an advantage and can kind of, I don't know, lean into the fact that they have all those games at hand. Now, who knows how that works when they're playing every other night for the next four months? Yeah, but. a lot can change. Well, Islanders, please, well, excuse me, plus three fifty at DraftKings. Not, I wish there was more value there because I'd run to do that. They've points in eight of the last ten. They've won two straight. It seems like they've got a ton of home games coming up. Or Flyers so. at plus six hundred. That. That's a little sweet. That's a, I'd probably sooner do that before I'd put. They're nine points behind Pittsburgh already. Yeah. And then they're what? 47. They're, they're two behind the Bruins, but they have. Behind they've played four Carolina more too. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I mean, we, we could do this all day. Yep. Um, the point being, I guess, is that I, I can understand why that number exists, even if it is just kind of covering their keister a little bit, because I'm sure if the Bruins rip off, you know, if the, the Penguins won eight straight, if the Bruins win their next six, they're going to be soaring deep into the playoff picture. So who knows? Uh, the only other, I guess, noteworthy thing is that all of a sudden the Bruins are talking about Tuka Rask, like it's confirmed that he's coming back. Um, I, as so far, there has not been... Uh, as much conviction when talking about a plan regarding Tuka Rask as there has been lately. Uh, he's practicing with the team that that we've known for a little while. The I don't know if plan is the right word, but the assumption is that he'll go to Providence for some tune-up games, uh, and then they'll go from there. Uh, he's not traveling with the Bruins this weekend for Tampa on Saturday and Washington on Monday. Uh, the Providence Bruins do play over the weekend, but – you know, are you as confident as ever that Tuka Rask is coming back? And if so, you know, I guess what's your comfort level with them sending down Swayman? Because that's kind of the only option. I mean, I am, I would be willing to bet money that Tuka would come back. I'd be confident <laughs> on that one. Um, I think it was really telling the last week, week or so, and especially with Cassidy today when he was like, he's not traveling, but uh, the plan with Providence, blah, blah, blah. We got to talk to John Sweeney. He said he's not traveling like there was an option at some point that right. he was going to travel. It was very nonchalant and very just like like he's already part of the team. So for me, in my mind, Tuca's already signed. And it's unfortunate that it probably will have mean Swayman goes to Providence, but he's waivers exempt. It makes the most sense. Um but I feel like you have to you have to bring Tuka back. He steals you games. He wins you games. He's a Vesna winning goalie, and he's somebody that I think this team is missing. Obviously, there's other areas of of concern. But if you bring Rask back, that could bolster that locker room a little bit. Tuka Rask, hundred to one to win the Vesna right now. I mean, the Bruins, by the time he signs, the Bruins are still going to have like yeah. 48 games schedule. left, right? Like, and I actually think that's a very understated part of 
all the Bruins' weird scheduling and cancellations so far is that they're this is basically the equivalent of Tuca missing like the first two months of a normal yeah. season. That that being said, um, short leash comes yeah. back with a short leash. That's all yeah. I really mainly take because Jeremy Swayman's done nothing to lose his job other than be young and have a contract that's maneuverable. Yeah, Olmark's been fine. Um, I don't think goaltending's been a huge issue for this team. I think others might disagree with that assessment but it's not a glaring issue or they it's a weird i mean i get why they want to Rask back for the the points that lauren mentioned but like it is weird to like they were clearly going down this one path and or maybe the the path always involved a detour but like if they kept going with swayman and olmark for the next four years without tuka coming back at all i think they'd feel pretty confident i think they probably feel more confident with the ceiling that they can get with tuka and olmark but if he comes back and looks, that's the thing. That's going to be a weird balancing act where it's how much of this is rust, how much of it is the injury, how much of it is maybe he's not good anymore. There's going to be a lot of. He is getting old. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of interesting like questions to be answered early on, and they're going to get a lot of opportunities for him to get run early on too because of the schedule. So yeah. I'm just saying I would have a – it is it is inevitable at this point. The, fact, the, the Cassidy quote stood out to me too where I was like, wait, what? Yeah, no kidding. He's not traveling. <laughs> um, but I think it tells you. I just you, couldn't believe he brought that up. Tells you yeah. where they are. So uh, it's going to happen, clearly. Um, I It's going to happen here. Uh, and, you know, I, like I said, I would not. I wouldn't jeopardize the season just to, to force Tuka Rass back into, to, into the situation. I have no reason to believe that it would get to that point, but they need to be, you know, responsible in that regard. The Bruins' goaltending has been perfectly fine. Um, it it hasn't been steal you like they haven't right. won games that they deserve to lose because of the goaltending. Yeah, can you live with that? I guess that's well, the difference so, between being one of the three teams in the division and a wild card team. So as of January second, they were second or second twentieth in the league in goals saved above expected. So. What's that tell you? Maybe not a whole lot, but my thing is like, okay, Jeremy Swayman hasn't necessarily done anything to lose his job. At the same time, he hasn't done anything to merit the Bruins telling Tuka to go kick rocks and we're sticking with Olmark and Swayman, uh, which is what I think it ultimately comes down to. I think the most interesting thing at this point is what they're going to do for a contract because to me, it would make all the sense in the world to just do – a one-year deal through the rest of this year, see how he plays, see how he feels, and then revisit things in the offseason, kind of see where he's at. I've been seeing things kicked around that he might prefer a multi-year deal, something like that. If I'm the Bruins, I'm probably not doing that. But at this point, I mean, what do you think we can expect? I mean, I think a one-year, two-year deal at the very most. Um, Maybe just sign him for this season and then figure out if a his hip could hold up and yeah. b if he even wants to continue playing one with an option for like do they do options that, in they NHL? don't do options i don't think let's make up an option one with an option for like four and a half million well so if i'm Where tuka i'd probably say no to anything other than a one-year deal because you've already said it's going to be on short money if you end up playing really well and then you sign some two-year, three-year deal with a one-and-a-half, two-million cap hit, then you probably just hose yourself out of money. But, We've already said. But, he's yeah, he's been steadfast in the fact that. Myriad times that he doesn't money. want to play anywhere else, and he's taken away all of his own leverage. 
Yeah. So I I don't know what he would. I think the option makes sense if. Yeah. It, it could be what really was it thing, uh, the the Kevin LeBanc thing a few years ago in San Jose where they had they were tight against the cap so they gave him a one year deal even though he had earned a ton more and then the next season once they cleared the decks he ended up getting the extension he actually deserved it could be something like that where it's like hey we just are going to have you get us through this season on the short money like you've multiple times said publicly you would do and then if you get us through and you seem fine then we'll revisit things this the contract season. doesn't feel like an issue at all no i don't think so i can't see that this you year know, or th- next year they've gotten yeah. so far along the process that i can't see them all of a sudden having this process railroaded because tuka's driving a hard bargain or something like that i just don't know what you set for a metric but maybe you know that's why we're sitting here flapping our gums about this instead of sitting in on the negotiations uh anything else no no all right, so wrap it up real quick. The Bruins schedule. They do play Minnesota Wild on Thursday, who have called up Marco Rossi, who's going to be a nice player, and uh, Matt Boldy, the BC alum. Um, so that'll be a good one. That actually got flexed, I think, to an ESPN game. But Devils at home uh, tonight, Tuesday. Wild at home on Thursday. Bruins hit the road for Lightning on Saturday. Capitals on Monday. And then a day off next Tuesday, which is when – we will be back. So it's been Nesson Bru- Bruins podcast. Oh, man, I am tired. Uh, like, rate, subscribe, review, all that fun stuff. That's Lauren, Mike, I'm Logan. Uh, until next time, see ya.